0: Well, good morning. How are we doing? That's a little bit better. Not much, but a little bit. Glad that you are here this morning. We are uh, in week three of the 23rd uh, Psalm. So the last two weeks I have uh, been giving you some homework, some things for you to do uh, outside of our uh, Sunday morning time together. And so I'm just wondering how's it going with that? Are we... Progressing at all, so we see a few nods. Good, good. Uh, l- let me just uh, tell you the reason um, that I'm doing that. Just giving you a few suggestions of, of uh, a couple of simple things that you can do that will uh, help you assimilate the message of Psalms 23 into your daily life. The reason um, is that uh, this is the most popular uh, psalm of, of, like, all time, right? It has a powerful message, and when you put that into practice, it can uh, change your life. This past week, I was doing some research, reading on the 23rd psalm, came across the story of a guy who uh, came to his pastor, and the guy was just, like, distraught, he's nervous, he's tense, he he literally had uh, worried himself sick. And so he'd already been to the doctor, and the doctor uh, said, like, I, I can't help you, man. Like, why don't you go see your pastor? That's what he told him. And so the guy does, and, and, and the pastor, after listening uh, to uh, his friend, reached into his desk drawer, took out a pad uh, of paper... And he said this, he said, I know you've already been to the doctor, but usually when you go to the doctor, he would write you a prescription. And so this is what I'm going to do for you, the pastor said. And he told him, you have to follow this prescription to a T. So, so do exactly what I write down. And he wrote down this, he said, five times a day for seven days, I want you to read prayerfully and carefully the 23rd Psalm. When you wake up, before each meal, when you go to bed, read the psalm. The man uh, agrees to do it, comes back a week later, and the pastor's like, totally changed dude. Right? Literally a different person. That is why I'm encouraging you to memorize this psalm. It can change your life, literally. And we already know the first two verses, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. And then this morning we're going to add a verse three. He, he restores my soul. Leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And so today's verse is all about purpose. It's all about having direction in Life. It's about how God can take a life that's basically going nowhere and take it somewhere. There are three truths here that remind us of the kind of care that the shepherd gives to us, right? His sheep. And today we're going to see what the shepherd does for us. So go ahead and take your note sheets out of your program. You can follow along with me as we go through verse Three this morning, and, and the first thing that the shepherd does for us is he'll get you back on your feet, right? It's the first part of verse 3. He restores my soul. That, that, that literally means he causes my life to return. He quickens me. He causes me to live, right? The word soul here means life or spirit, not the soul that, that in the strict sense of the term that we kind of think of it as. Right, it, it refers to the spirit when exhausted or weary or sad. And the meaning is, is that God inspires or excites the spirit when we're exhausted. He restores our soul. And the reference here is not to like the wandering soul or the person that's backslidden from God. Right, but, but to the spirit that is wearied and troubled and anxious and worn down with care and hard work. It's just when our hearts are exhausted. Right? He, he brings it back to vigor. He encourages it. He stirs it to a new effort. He fills it with a new joy. Psalms 51, 10 through 12 says this, created me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And and, and the idea here of a clean heart is not that we get like a new heart, right? That That we give a new name to. No, it's a clean heart. That we might have a clean heart. That our hearts might be made pure. That our affections and feelings might be made right. That we might have this pure heart which David felt could only be produced by what? The power of God. And then it says to renew a right spirit within me. The Hebrew word here means it's erect. Or or that which is made to stand up or which is firm or established. It's used to to denote which is upright, right, and proper. That that which is right, true, and sincere, which is firm, constant, and fixed. And and that would seem to be the meaning here. David prays for a heart that would be firm in the purposes of virtue. That, that, That it wouldn't yield to... Temptation, that, that it would carry out holy resolutions, that, that it would be steadfast in the service of a God. The word renew here means to be or to make new, to, to produce something new. The word here would naturally convey the idea that uh, which had been formerly a right and proper spirit in him, which he prayed might now be what? Restored. And the language is that of one who had done right formally but had fallen into sin and who desired to be brought back to his former condition. And then it gets practical over in Colossians 3, 9 and 10. We're encouraged to do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices but have put on the what new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its... Creator. Keller in his book on this psalm talks about the problem of sheep being able to stay on their feet. Right? He says that a sheep will get turned over on its back and it'll be unable to get up. And it often happens in the weeks before birth with all the extra weight, the mother sheep, which I'm sure there's a name for that, but I'm calling it mother sheep, right? Right? What will we'll fall over and just lie there and frantically flailing and struggling to get back up. And oddly, Keller says that a sheep in that condition will not cry out for help. They'll just lay there lashing out in frustration. And if the shepherd doesn't show up in a short period of time, you know what happens? The sheep will die. And because of that, the shepherd must always be on the lookout for a fallen sheep. Do you know who else is on the lookout of a fallen sheep? Vultures and coyotes and cougars. Because they know that a fallen sheep is what? That's easy prey that they can't defend themselves. Now, I thought that's not all that different from us, right? Remember the commercial for Life Alert where the woman yells, help, I'm falling and I can't get up. Right? That's what happens to us in a spiritual sense. We we, we put on the old self, we fall down spiritually and we can't get up. And so we need God to create in us a clean heart. We need to get ourselves into, and then we get ourselves into situations that we can't fix, and we lie there, and we thrash around, and we try to get out of it, and we need God to renew a right spirit in us. I want to encourage you this morning, if you've fallen down, if you're in a situation that you can't get out of, can I tell you today that your shepherd is is looking out for you? And if we call out to him, he will come. And he will hold you close. He will set you back on your feet. And he'll help you to start to walk again. I've seen it happen again and again throughout the years in ministry. Right, right? Like I've known people that have fallen down financially with no way out. And then they put their hope in God, and he comes, and he what? He rescues them. Uh, I've known couples who have fallen down in their marriage, right? Husbands who have fallen down. Wives that have fallen down. These are believers that have fallen morally. And in those cases, a lot of times it looks hopeless unless Jesus comes on the scene, picks them up, and puts them back on their feet. And, And Keller writes that a fallen sheep, are an everyday part of the shepherd's experience. And get this, some sheep have a hard time learning how not to fall over. Right? Imagine that. Here's how it happens. They lay down in the soft green grass and they roll on their side. They're going to stretch out and, and all of a sudden their gravity shifts and guess what? Boom, can't get back up. They can't get back. They're on the ground. They give it a go, but they can't get back up. And then the shepherd comes over and he rescues the fallen sheep. Well, what do you think happens the next day? That they go out to the green grass, lay down, right? Gravity shifts. Same thing. Shepherd comes over. He rescues the sheep Again and again. Why? Because the sheep's worth it. Guess what? When we fall, I want you to know that God will get you back on your feet again as many times as it takes in order for you to get it right. He's not going to give up on you. Because you mean too much to him. He will restore your soul. Here's the second thing that our shepherd does for us. He'll he'll get you moving in the right direction. It's the second part of verse 3. He leads me in paths of righteousness... Right we've all heard the story of of the family dog that gets lost on vacation hundreds of miles away from home and the family ends their vacation they drive up into the driveway only to find what their dog on the front doorstep right somehow that dog found its way home it just seems like some animals have this inner compass that enable them to find their way but not sheep Right? You never hear. Like, sheep got lost, found its way back to the flock. Right? Found the shepherd. Never hear that one. <laughs> Part of the problem is, is that sheep have limited vision. It's almost like they're nearsighted. They can't see for more than 10 or 15 yards ahead. They only know what's right in front of them right now. And so it's difficult for them to plan their steps too far into the future. I thought it sounds like us, doesn't it? At times, we have limited vision. I mean, think about your life. What what, what do you see with short-distance vision? Right? Like when's our next meal or when's the next sale or the next party or whatever it has to be. When when that is the way that we think, it ultimately leads us to a wandering lifestyle that never delivers what it promises at, at the beginning. I want to encourage you today to put your shepherd in, 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 in a close-range vision. Turn your eyes to Jesus. Keep them on him. Because a lot of times we can't see long-range, but guess what? He can. Like sheep, a lot of times we can only see a short distance in front of us, but Jesus, he can see like months and years down the road and, and even when you can't see clearly all that lies ahead of you you can be sure that he is guiding our steps in the way that that they should go and, and when david said he leads me in the path of righteousness he was saying that that he doesn't permit us to wander in ways that would lead to our downfall Well, what he's saying in reference to his people is first that he leads them in a path by which they become righteous or by which they are justified before him. And second, he leads them in a way of uprightness and truth. And the bottom line is that David was saying, because the Lord is my shepherd, I know my life is going somewhere. I know it's moving in the right direction. And Psalm one nineteen one thirty three puts it this way, guide my steps by your word so I will not... Uh, be overcome by evil. And, and the prayer is that no form of sin, no wicked passion might be allowed to rule over us. That, that our conduct in life would, would be lived uh, according to the word of God. Uh, according to the requirements laid down by God. The, the, the prayer is, is that we would be wholly obedient to His will. And then over in Psalms 48 verse 12 through 14 it says, walk about Zion, go around her, number her towers, consider well her ramparts, go through her citadels that you may be, tell the next generation that this is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us forever. And then finally Psalms 25, 4, make me known to your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths. All of these passages giving us the idea that God will what? Guide us. in fact, I I think that God will give us, if we ask him, like a big picture idea of where life is headed. I really think that God gives us a vision for what he wants to to accomplish in our lives. Big picture, not details, mind you. But but he gives us goals and dreams, long-range hopes, and God will give us a purpose to pursue with our lives and then as you end the or as you near the end of your days you're able to look back and see oh here's the race that God wanted me to run like, like the starting line is here and the finish line is there and and guess what we kind of went from the starting line to the finish line we made it. This is the gift of purpose. Essential to purpose and a long-term vision is having short-term direction. The, the road of a thousand miles is made by taking what? Individual steps. And I think of our Building Together project, right? Our individual step right now is to give to the project and to give consistently. If we can do that, eventually the long-term vision of the project will become a reality. But in order for us to get there each day, we must take steps in the right direction. And and, and that's where the shepherd leads us. Because we don't always know the right steps to take, but guess what? He does. So so he leads us day by day in the paths of righteousness to ensure that our lives become what he intends it to become. It's why I believe in starting the day with prayer and being in the word is so important, right? It keeps me moving on the right path. The, the word of God offers a correction and direction for the steps that we should take. So, so without him leading us in the paths of righteousness each day, we were, we're nothing more than a bunch of wandering sheep with good ideas and good intentions that we can't find their way to the next stop in the journey. The shepherd gets you back on your feet. He gets you moving in the right direction. And the number three this morning, he'll use you to make a difference for his glory. David uh, uses the phrase, he leads me paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Did did you catch that? I want you to write that down in your notes today. For his name's sake. This phrase comes up several times in the Bible. For example, David said in Psalms 8, yet he saved of them for his name's sake that he might be known uh, or make known his mighty power. It's also used by the apostle John in 1 John 2.12. I am writing to you little children because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. So, so exactly what does that mean? It, it means that God does it to demonstrate who he is. Right in the context of Psalms 23, it means that sheep exist for the benefit of the shepherd. The, the sheep are led into zones of comfort in order to be prepared for the zones of discomfort. In other words, sheep were expected to produce a profit for the shepherd. And the shepherd took care of the sheep, not for the sheep's benefit, but for the shepherd's needs. Likewise, we, as God's sheep, we exist for God, right? The The, the good shepherd. To change or alter that relationship in any way would really turn us into idolaters where, where we would use God for our benefit rather than allowing God to use us for His benefit. Right? We live for Him. And God's reputation is at stake by the way we live, by the way. Right? We're in the, we are His hands and feet in the world. We are His ambassadors. We represent God to a watching world. And when we fail to live righteously, we are hurt, but the name of God is hurt more. And God wants the world to know him, and he wants each and every person to experience him. He is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that anyone should perish but that all should reach repentance, according to 2 Peter 3.9. He wants the world to know that he is a God of love, a God of consuming power, a God of justice, a God of tender mercy. He wants the world to know that, that he's like this gentle shepherd who cares for his people. And do you know what the amazing thing is? He's using you and me to get that message across. It's one of our purposes that he's given to us. He uses us to demonstrate his power and his love and his mercy and his compassion to a world that desperately needs to know him. Here's what I know. What I know is that he wants to do great things with your life. Guess what? For his namesake. So so that people will know that he is God and will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. He wants to use us to change people's lives and bring glory to him. And he wants to lead you and me into paths for righteousness for his namesake. Uh, Isaiah wrote in chapter 53, verse 6, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's path to follow our own. And yet the Lord laid on him the sins uh, of us all. Here the prophet Describes our need for the Messiah's atoning work. Because sheep, as we've said before, are just stupid and headstrong. Right? Well, we know that. And, and, and we, like they, have gone astray. We have turned against God's way, every one of us, right? We turn to our own way. And, and because the, the, that's what sheep do, they wander and they fall and they repeat their mistakes. And, and guess what? So, so do we. And the thing is, is that we have our own way of sin, don't we? And what we do a lot of times is we fall into this temptation to, to condemn somebody else's way of sin and to justify my way of sin. Right? That's kind of what we do. But, but each way is our own way instead of the Lord's way, and it is sinful and destructive. And then it says, And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. And here we see the partnership between the Father and the Son in the work on the cross. And if the Messiah was wounded for our transgressions, then it was also the Lord who laid on him the iniquity of us all. When the Father judged our iniquity, and was laid on the Son. Here, here's what I want you to know. In spite of our self-destructive tendencies, God's nature does not change. He remains our loving and caring shepherd, a shepherd who loves us so much that, that he would take our sin, put it on his son, and that the son would die on a cross for you and me. And when we fall, he picks us up, and he sets us on our feet, and he gets us moving in the right direction, and he does all of that because of who he is. It brings glory to him when, when he rescues us, when he uses us. Because when he does all of that, it demonstrates who he is. So, so each week I've given you a little bit of homework. Steps to take to bring the message to life in your daily walk with him. Uh, hopefully, remember week one, I suggested that you take some time to thank God for three material things. Three um, spiritual blessings. And then make a list of needs that you could pray about with the goal to be to develop a heart of gratitude towards the good shepherd. And then last week, I asked you to consider your green pastures and your still waters. To make it a point to let God lead you to those special places so you could experience his peace. I also suggested that you spend some time at the end of the day meditating on the good stuff that God has done in your day with the goal of experiencing, even in the midst of stress, the presence of Christ in your life. So so here's week three, it's homework. Let's memorize Psalms 23, one through three. And so when you wake up and when you fall asleep, as many times during the day that you think about it, just say these verses in your mind. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me behind... Besides still waters, He restores my soul and He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. And then number two, let's practice spiritual breathing. And my prayer is that you're not going to fall down in the next seven days, but let's just be realistic, right? Will we all stumble? And so this week, I want to encourage you to insert into your life this idea of, of spiritual breathing. So, if sin creeps into your life and it knocks you off your feet, don't stay down, don't thrash about on the ground. Instead, ask Jesus to forgive you and put you back on your feet. And when you do that, He will restore you. And and, and if you need to pray right now, that 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 that. You just need to confess your sin. Maybe you have sin in your life right today. Maybe you just need to do that right now. Go ahead. Sin is not your master, the Bible says, right? You don't have to live in defeat. You can walk in victory. You can stand on your own feet. Jesus will pick you up when you fall. He'll restore your soul when you call on his name. And then number three, begin each day with a request for guidance. Just ask God to reveal to you the path of righteousness that he is prepared for you to walk this day. I I think a lot of people begin the day thinking about how to avoid the pitfalls. I want to encourage you to begin each day saying, God, show me the good things that you want me to do today. Lead me to the path of righteousness, which in turn will open my eyes to the needs of others and to the way that, that God can use you. And then number four, end each day with a moment of reflection. So before you go to sleep, just take a moment to review the day. not the bad stuff, because if we follow step two, you've already repented and asked for forgiveness and moved on. But instead, just take a moment to review the day's successes. Review the right steps that you were able to take throughout your day. And then thank God for using you uh, for his name's sake. Would you do that today? this week? All right, let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, for your word today. God, my prayer this morning is for those of us that are here today that are Christ followers. God, that we could walk each day in the path of righteousness that you have prepared for us. God, I pray that we would walk each day with our spiritual eyes open. uh, Allowing you to speak to us, to to direct us and to guide us. And I really do think that we would be amazed at, at what you would do with us and through us. And then, Father, there might be somebody here today that you're longing for a clean heart. You're longing for a pure heart. The only way that can happen is to give your heart and life to Jesus who died on a cross for our sins, who, who took our place. If you're here today and you'd like to do that, just pray simple prayer, dear God. I, I lay before you this morning the sin in my life. I ask you to forgive me. And I believe that you died on a cross. You rose again. And today you sit at the right hand of the Father. Just tell him this morning that you want to give your life to him. And from this day forward, you're going to live for him. Father, give us a great week this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.